Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we are here with episode 49 of the Life Exchange podcast. Uh, We're still working out our format. So um, today we're going to kind of tell you what these three questions are that we're going to go into. Maybe we'll talk about them a little bit and then we'll get into them a little deeper. Uh, Does that sound okay to you guys? Sounds awesome. (laughs) Sure. All right. Uh, Well, the three questions, uh, one of them is, what is the difference between self-improvement and spiritual maturity? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting one to work through. Um, And then we're also going to hit, how do we create healthy boundaries with our parents? Um, And which... So, real easy question. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Especially when your parents listen. <laughs> um, and well, then, I'm doing the podcast with, with my, your mother. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So different dynamics with these questions. And maybe too. we'll be able to work through some of these things during this uh, episode. So <laughs> all your your long, deep seated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> resentments. Or <laughs> um, and then the third question has to do with generosity and how to be generous when you are um, just trying to make ends meet which I think is a really great question. I'm looking forward to talking about that one more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, any opening thoughts? We do want to mention uh, Dr. Melody is just getting through uh, COVID, so her voice sounds a little extra raspy today. Yeah, it's my bedroom <laughs> voice. <laughs> she was out in the clubs last night. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> hey, I'm healthy. That's the important yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> you're back, back in the public. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys have any like opening remarks on these questions? No, I look forward to getting into them. All right. So are we just going to start with number one? Yeah, we're we're very tasked today, I think. (laughs) I think it always takes us a little while. I always say, um, you know, you usually burn the first tray of cookies or the first pancakes, not the greatest. Yeah. And I feel like whenever we're doing recording, um, even with video, it's always like we got to get through the first pancake. So... This is the awkward first pancake that you're currently experiencing. So you're saying the next episode is going to be a whole lot better. <laughs> or maybe by the third question. Well, hopefully by the second one. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll hope for the best. All right. Now I want cookies. Um, okay. The first question, what is the difference between self-improvement and spiritual maturity? Does someone, yeah. do you want me to start? I- yeah, start and then I'll come in on that one. Okay. I like this one. <laughs> okay. You like this one? Mm-hmm. So again, what is the difference between self-improvement and spiritual maturity? And I think my simple answer for this is that one is with Jesus and one is without him. Um, I think that we often try to separate body, soul, and spirit. We try to make some things more spiritual than others. Um, but to me, spiritual, um, and we're speaking about you know godly spiritual, um, is just doing it with the Holy Spirit. It's doing it with him first. Um, and so to me, you know, doing, doing, you know, working out, (laughs) taking care of your physical body can be just as spiritual as, um, you know, your daily devotional time. Um, if you are keeping him in the center of it. Um, and so I think my question or my answer to this question is a little bit, um, maybe not what the asker was looking for, but that's the way that I see it is that um, your your body, the Bible says your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says you have the mind of Christ. He says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, and so again, that body, soul, and spirit can be very, very spiritual, all of it. 
um, you know, what, what you eat <laughs> can be, um, can be spiritual. Um, and that's not to discount. I do think we definitely have to set aside that, that quiet time or that, um, very dedicated spiritual development time where we're in the word and we're, we're just focused on, um, you know, hearing and, and listening and, and praying and, um, those, um, kind of spiritual formations. I think those things are very important, but is that to say that taking care of your body is any less spiritual? I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, the way I view it is that spiritual maturity is becoming more and more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the more he is the center of everything that I do, because God gave every human being, saved or unsaved, mm -hmm. uh, the power of choice. And so when we as believers use our power of choice to align our thoughts with his thoughts, our ways with his ways, when we take our choice by the Holy Spirit's enablement and grace, then we're growing in spiritual maturity. Because I've personally met a lot of believers. They're very self-aware. Mm -hmm. They're very generous. They, uh, they, are, they care about others. They care about the world. Uh, they pay a huge price uh, to see humanity impacted for good and social justice and all those things. But they're doing it uh, out of their will without a revelation of who God is. Yeah. And so I don't even believe that they're doing it selfishly. I believe that God put in our very DNA to be validators, mm -hmm. to be uh, to be those individuals who care about other human beings. And there's just some people who are very self-aware that you would think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're not a believer yeah. because of the way they act. And I've seen some Christians who love the Lord, but they've not grown in spiritual maturity and they might act more not like Christ yeah. than some non-believers. So I think so many things goes so many things go back to our choice. Yeah. But spiritual maturity is when I take my choice and I submit it to the will, the way, the plan, and the purpose of God, that I just don't make decisions because uh, this is the right thing to do or I want to be a good person, but I'm making this choice to really honor my God and to expand his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And when that is our core motivation, and we can be doing some of the most simple, practical yeah. things, just like you were talking about. We so separate the spirit and the soul, but we can just you know, be cleaning or doing whatever. But if our heart is turned towards the law, uh, turn, turn towards the Lord, we really are functioning and growing in our spiritual maturity because our attention is on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to probably echo a lot of things that you guys have already said. So what, what is spiritual maturity? And the first thing I would say, it's being conformed into the image of Christ. Yeah. It's also having a firm grasp on the elementary teaching or the elementary doctrines of Christ. Mm -hmm. So you can see that in scripture where it talks about being mature in understanding who Christ is or the teachings of Christ uh, or the divinity, the divinity of Christ. It's also producing fruit through the connection of the Holy Spirit. So as we mature or as we uh, spiritually mature, we're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I also say that spiritual maturity, you never arrive at spiritual maturity. Most definitely. You know, this is a 
continual process of cultivation and surrender. But bottom line, spiritual maturity is becoming more like Christ, yeah. which is, I would say, an improvement over our previous state. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think about it, spiritual maturity is kind of self-improvement because as you become more like Christ, mm -hmm. right, that's an improvement of what you were before. But self-improvement and spiritual maturity are similar because they both require transformation. But where, it, where it's different is the pattern or the mold or the target in spiritual maturity is Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's where they're different. Mm -hmm. And I will also add that that spiritual maturity is the only one that guarantees salvation. Yeah. yeah. All mm -hmm. right. And I, I, I was also thinking about self-improvement. The end goal in a, in a humanistic point of view is self-improvement is to glorify self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where spiritual maturity is to the end goal is obviously to glorify Christ yeah. in our life. So one is very temporal and one is eternal. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I think they're similar in a way, but the end goal of spiritual maturity is, is obviously being transformed into the image of Christ. And I think some t I, I think where this question comes from is uh, there there's certain sections of the church where it almost some of the teaching is almost more focused on self-improvement than necessarily spiritual maturity. Mm. And I think it's important to have that distinction. If the end goal was eventually just to promote self and self be glorified, I, I don't I don't know if that's true growth or well, I think what happens is we we begin to worship ourselves instead yeah. of worshiping him. We begin to make an idol mm -hmm. out of yeah. our own ability, our own improvements, instead of worshiping the one true God. Um, yeah. And you know, it happens with all of us. I think it happen. It could happen every day. Like it, it, there could be moments where mm -hmm. we just step out of worship of making him the first and most things in our life thing in our life. And we begin to step into that where I'm doing it on my own strength. I'm, I'm trying to do it on my own ability. I'm trying to create something of my own um, accord. And that's what that, you know, going, always go back to the garden, but that's what mm -hmm. they did. It was, they made a choice. Like you were saying, our choices, um, they made a choice to do it without him. They already had um, access to him, to perfection, to all that God offered them um, as, you know, as the man and woman in the garden. And they chose to try to do it on their own way. And that's what we all do all the time is we're, we're trying to do what God wants us to do, but we're trying to do it without him. And that's just an easy, um, an easy shift that we can make. We can go in and out of. So you know, I love self-improvement. I'm all about it. I think self-development is great. Self-awareness is so important. Um, but the moment we make self the thing we're worshiping, we make self our idol is the moment where... Or we make it the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Which is our worship, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, in Titus, it says, not by works of righteousness that you have done. So the fact is we can do righteous works. Right. But he said, it's not by those righteous works, but it's by my mercy that mm -hmm. I've saved you. And God has 
in our humanity, he has put everything inside of us that we would need to be successful in this temporal world. Mm -hmm. But it's like moving beyond this temporal world to an eternal uh, goal, uh, building the kingdom of God, honoring our God, having a relationship with him. And so I think if, if our goal is to do works of righteousness out of our relationship with him, we are developing a spiritual maturity because we're not doing it for ourselves, even though it does benefit us, but we are doing it to advance his kingdom mm-hmm. and to honor our God. And we've talked about this in other episodes, but my definition of the fear of the Lord is I don't want to do anything that hurts his heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's your definition, Katie? Nothing and no one comes above God. There, there you go. And I think both of those things really just carry the heart of developing that spiritual maturity and having a heart that honors our God. And in the process, we will allow our renewed mind to partner with who we are in Him. And we can accomplish great things on this earth, but it's not so that we become righteous but recognizing our righteousness is in him. Yeah. And it, it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, that there are sections of the church where um, so much attention is on self-improvement, but I think there's a flip side to that where everything is so spiritual and nothing is practical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I'm a big person on balance of there are times where, yes, we do need to cultivate this vessel that we have, mm-hmm. you know, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I've just come to the place where things that always, you know, that we'll put these things in categories, whether it's practical or spiritual. I, I just realize now that the, those things are so intertwined mm-hmm. that it, it, it's very, it's it's more awkward to separate them yes. than it is to... Mm-hmm keep them together as they should be. In the word where it talks about the heart, some places it means the soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions. Other places it means the spirit man. And then in other places it means the inner man, which is the soul and the spirit. So you almost have to go back to the original language to see when you see the word translated as heart, what it's talking about. Is it talking about my soul, my spirit, or my whole inner man, because the fact is when we grow in spiritual maturity, it allows us to improve our soul. You know, it it allows us to submit our soul to the things of the spirit. And then guess what? Then I start living by objective truth, not my subjective opinions, right? I begin to uh, do things that honor God and his word becomes my plumb line. And so it goes beyond my intellect or even my choices or my comprehension. It goes to this place of radical submission to the Lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know that when we renew our mind, that's a spiritual thing, but that could also be classified as like a self-improvement. Uh, like I believe we've, we make a conscious choice to submit our thoughts to his thoughts, and we will improve because what? Uh, his thoughts and his ways will go out with joy and will be led forth with peace. So our whole life will be transformed when we allow uh, who God is in the midst of us uh, to empower us to renew our minds. Well, maybe but it's a, a choice qu- we make. Maybe a better question is, 
when when is self improvement really separate from spiritual? Like like I said, when you grow spiritually, you're that is an improvement to your previous state. Sure, that's why to me, self improvement to me that that can happen without Jesus. Okay, and so what are those things? Is that just like like you can improve your body, you can mm-hmm. improve your your mind, your thoughts, your, mm. you know, and that's where you get into anything from, um, you know, self-help and meditation and, um, you know, even, you know, diet and exercise, anything, those things, the world understands those things because they can happen without Jesus. But in spiritual maturity, if you're really allowing him to lead your life, it's also going to include those things so to me, self-improvement, like in a secular way, um, mm-hmm. can happen without the Lord. Mm-hmm. But spiritual maturity is going to encompass all of that. Is that? So is it maybe doing some of the practices, but it's always led by the Holy Spirit? Is that what makes it more of a spiritual maturity thing? Maybe self-improvement is being that lifelong learner. And so that can be in spiritual things, but it also can be in the development of skills and abilities and and education and all those things. And all those things can be tools that we can use to build the kingdom. But the fact is, it's a choice I make because I need to learn this skill. I mean, we're going to accomplish. The more I understand about social media, the more I can use that as a great tool to advance yeah. the kingdom, right? To advance, you know, the thoughts and the ways of God, you know, on social media. But I I have, I've far from arrived. I'm like a low man on the proverbial totem pole when it comes to, you know, all those things. But the more I learn those things, that's a self-improvement. But it still goes back to the very core reason why I believe I'm on this planet. And so I partner the spirit and the soul together, but I have to, you know, I I get these certifications so I have greater measures of tools in the marketplace arena. That's really self-improvement because once I improve my skill sets and my abilities and my intellect, then I have a whole lot more tools to be able to impact you know, my spheres of influence for good. Now, for me, my motivation is to expand the kingdom of God. But anybody, any person, you know, believer or non-believer can continually can, improve themselves. There's exactly. People who have multiple doctorate degrees. They, they're just continually improving their themselves, which is awesome. I think we should all always be working to improve ourselves. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they could die and you know, and go to hell with all of their degrees Mm -hmm. because while they were improving their self, their spirit was not maturing. Their spirit was decaying. Um, And I, you know, I'm just thinking of the scripture, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And like, can a a human being live? Now we're not just talking bread, but food. (laughs) Um, Can a human being live with food alone? Yes, like that's what your body needs to survive. So what makes it separate or what makes it different is that it's not just about the natural things. It's not only about that self-improvement. It's mm-hmm. that partnership. It's his breath. It's his life. 
um, opening up us up to eternal life, not just the temporal things of this world. I guess what I'm what I'm thinking of is, you know, self improvement in some ways can be like um, a negative, have a negative connotation in the church world. Mm. Um, which, if the end goal is self glorification, mm. yes, I would say that's not good. But if it's always in partnership with the Holy yeah. Spirit and the end goal is to glorify Him or have Christ manifested um, in and through you, those things really partner together. They're 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 the same thing. As you become like Christ, you are improving. Yeah. So I, I think where the where it gets funky or where it can get off is where self improvement becomes a goal where self is exalted above. Yeah your relationship with Christ. Well, especially like in, in leadership and in church leadership, if, if you're excluding him, mm-hmm. then are you just really actually making people that look like you instead of people that look like him? That's good. That's so true. Like, as a, as a leader and as a leader in ministry, the goal is never for people to be following me. Mm-hmm. It's for them to be following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, okay. Are we wrapping that question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did we did we satisfy like what you were after there? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, the contention between um is it okay? Like the 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 struggle or the the conflicting ideas of self improvement and mm-hmm. spiritual maturity do are they together or are they separate you know that that those were the kind of topics that i wanted to kind of hit and i think we did yeah you know um did we answer answer it extensively i don't know <laughs> but um yeah i could say more but i think it would just be repeating the same thing so yeah. we'll just move on <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well our second question for this episode um, if you remember what it is, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, and, and this is a question someone wrote in, is it possible to create healthy boundaries with your parents? How can I communicate my boundaries in an honorable way? So as well, the parent too. in, <laughs> as the parent in, uh, this, uh, discussion, is it possible to, for a child to create healthy boundaries with their parents? Well, I think we have to look, is this child a child yeah. or is it an adult? You know, so are we talking about two adults, you know, me with my mom, you you with your mom, Joel, <laughs> or, or are we talking about you with your children? So I think it's a different set of of guidelines or, or structure or way to view it. So if we're talking from an adult-to-adult perspective, um, I think respect should always be shown. I think honor should always be shown. Uh, But the relationship with two adults is uh, there should be absolutely no control on either side. So, Joel, if I step in and try to control you as a mature adult man, then you need to draw a boundary and say, I love you, Mom, but really it's none of your business. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might not say it that bluntly. (laughs) You probably could to me. But uh, there has to be boundaries because you think as a parent, your goal is to raise up a mature 
um, individual that is going to release who God's called them to be, right? Mm -hmm. So that they are free to honor God and become all that he's created them to become. So there comes a point in time in that that child's life when they are no longer a child. You know, when I was a child, I thought as a child, that's a different story. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so when we're doing that, then I think we connect more in a mutual relationship or we even have partnership Mm -hmm. together. Uh, I could even say, hey, I'm a spiritual mom. Katie, you're my spiritual daughter, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't give me the right to try to manipulate or control. Mm -hmm. If I did it, you would have to draw some boundaries, even if quote unquote, uh, you know, I've been around a lot longer than you, you know, that that's just not the place for a parent. And I think one thing that happens with parents, and maybe it's good I'm talking because some people could get offended if, if you guys would be saying this. I think if if a parent uh, wants to stay in control of their kid's life, tell their kids what they should do when they actually are adults and they're no longer living. Hey, if you're living under my roof, then that's yeah. a different story. But if you're an adult, you're out on your own, you're living your life, uh, I, I will... I will invest when I'm invited to invest. Mm -hmm. But to push my opinions, my ideas, my perspectives, I just don't believe that is a righteous thing. Often what happens is the parents are trying to get their own need met. Um, So they're, you know, they're... Like living vicariously through their kids. Yeah, which... You know, I I understand that, but th- I think that's what happens a lot of times. But it's not even like the, it's not they like they are consciously doing that. It's just that's what happens. Well, if they'd be as self aware, they would probably be <laughs> but, aware. I mean, honestly, <laughs> a majority of people are not yeah. that self aware. Uh, um, yeah. So I don't know. On the flip side, though, however, sometimes a son or a daughter. Uh, could feel like it's their responsibility to heal mom or dad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a boundary they have to draw because they don't have a, an ability to heal mom mm-hmm. and dad. If mom and dad invite them into their lives um, and say, hey, what's your opinion on this? Like, I'll pick up the phone and, hey, Joel, what do you think of this? Like, he's like my wisdom guru. You know, I lean on Joel's wisdom for so many things. I invite him uh, to speak into my life, yeah, you know, and and that's beautiful. But if he would feel like he has this whole objective in life to try to fix up his messed up mom, and he tries to push that on me, it will not build relationship, and mm-hmm. it's really not his place because a child can't fix a parent, yeah. you know, unless they're invited to do so. So when we're dealing with adults, it's a matter of. Permission. It's a matter of relationship. It's a matter of mutual respect because we're dealing with one adult to another. What would you say to a parent that feels like their role will always be like that uh, mother or father to a young child? Like, no matter how old they are, like. Well, I don't think that's even biblical because if you think about God created us, but he mm. never took our free will. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually let the man and the woman sin in the garden. 
Yeah. He could have stepped in there and overrode that really quick. He could have driven out that serpent to protect his kids, but he wanted them to make their own choice. Yeah. Uh, based upon their relationship with the father that they had, you know, yeah. every evening, and and so I I just think um, it what you tolerate will dominate. So I think you just have to have respectful, healthy, godly conversations where it's going to take courage, maybe, to communicate. Hey, I love I love you, mom and dad, but you know. I'm married 20 years now. I've got three kids. You know, uh, if, if I need your counsel, I will ask. So, Or honor- the parent could say, hey, Joel, could I speak? Joel, you know, I see this happening. Could I speak into this? Or I've even done it with your kids. Hey, I, I, I worked with Aiden on this. Could I share with you, you know, what I learned about Aiden? You know, and we'll talk about that because, you know, I've got some skills, you know, and some uh, areas that are not mama, dad things, but, you know, coaching skills in certain areas of my consulting company. And I could speak into that. And I did that already. Hey, can I share this with you? Mm-hmm. Oh, but it, now that I think about it, you asked me to give him that assessment, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go push it either, which is true. But uh, yeah, I just think we have to just respect one another. We, here we have life exchange, right? And it's it's about diversity of opinions and ideas and generations and uh, perspectives, but we're coming together, but we're coming together with mutual love and respect and honor. And I just think we have to do that even in the family unit. When you were talking, you kind of, I didn't actually think of this question in this term, but it was, how do you create healthy boundaries with your parents? But that's also true with spiritual parents as yes, well. Yes, yeah. To like that that can be difficult as well. I think where there's a disconnect is sometimes people believe that honor requires always surrendering to someone's will. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is honor, always surrendering to someone's else someone else's desire. Uh, I believe that you can honor in disagreement. Most definitely. In fact, that's where our love is really proven, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Because if I'm afraid to say no to a leader, if you're afraid to say, you know, I disagree or now I'm I'm just not able to do that. If if you're afraid of doing that, do we really have the relationship that if we say we have? So much fear, is that a healthy relationship? No, it's not. And you can even take it in the marriage relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, between husband and wife, or even as your children are young, Mm -hmm. to, as a parent, start modeling before them, hey, you have ideas. I want to know what you think. Mm -hmm. It's okay to disagree with me. We can work through this respectfully, and you're going to build a lifelong relationship with your kids that it'll change as in, you know, parent-child but very healthy parent-adult-to-adult relationship. One thing that I try to do, I don't know if I'm always effective in it, is try to give my children realms of responsibility or realms of ownership, realms of where they have authority. Yes. Uh, I think there are times where as a dad, I override certain things, but there are certain places where I say, this is theirs. They need to experience their choices in this. And so 
um, at least I'm trying to cultivate that now because like I tell my kids, you know, once you're out of the house, you know, me speaking into things is going to be by invitation. Yes. Um, at least that's how we do it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do mean, think like, you, I mean, you guys, your family culture is like a this, you know, picture, this model of of this healthy dynamic of being able to do that. I think a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> that Well, maybe this is a very good yeah. question to ask <laughs> because if if it becomes a matter of dominance or manipulation or my kids will meet my needs, you know, if Joel doesn't visit me, I can't survive without my you know, that's just not healthy. And that's No, but it is reality for a lot of people. Uh, codependent people, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's so much, there's so many dynamics of, it could be a fear of, I don't want to lose my adult child. And so I'm going to continually need them to be in my life. So I'm just going to continually ask them if they can do this or, you know, I'm, I'm going to, and it's not, again, it's not always conscious, but that there could be an underlying fear of, I don't want to lose them they're an adult. They could go, they could leave, they could leave me, they could, you know, they could move away, they could get married and forget about me. All of those dynamics can come into play of of fear of losing your child, especially if your child has been your world for the past you know, 18 plus years. Um, and then there's also, you know, dynamics of you want the best for them. And so in in your mind, um, you want to continually be speaking into their life because you you do you want to see them succeed and if you see them going down um destructive paths or not even destructive paths but different paths than what you would choose then that can really become um it can cause for unhealthy relationship in an effort in in your efforts to try to um do what's best for them and i just think that's where that's where boundaries have to come in. Um, I know for me, years and years, like long time ago, but I looked at the commandment that says, honor your father and mother in the Lord for this is right. And then it's the only, or the first commandment with a promise. promise. Um, and so I, and I, I used to look <laughs> at that scripture and go, okay, honor your father and mother in the Lord for it is right. And I used to go, God, how do I do this well? And then that word honor, it actually, the root word is heavy. Like it's like, it's the same, it's used with glory a lot of times. So it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not just like, well, you know, um, you know, love your parents. It's no, it's honor. It's a heavy word. It's a yes, heavy it and it's a commandment and it's a commandment with a promise. And so I really used to hold this going, God, how do I do this well? Yeah. Especially in moments where we didn't see eye to eye or it, it almost felt like, um, like there was real conflict there. And so I, I did, I used to go and say, God, how do I do this well? And for me, boundaries, and not just for me, for everybody, boundaries help you to be able to honor well, because it allows you to say, um, whether you say it out loud to them or whether you just say it in your heart, you say, okay, um, this is an area where I am going to, um, I'm always going to keep my heart respectful, but in order for me to do that really well, I have to draw some lines and say, this is not an area where, um, where I can go with my parents or 
you know, I, I just put that boundary in place and it does, wasn't even always a spoken thing, but doing that, because sometimes even as a child, you think, well, they're my parent. I have to let them into every aspect of my life. Well, if you're an adult, you actually don't. <laughs> um, but being able to make those boundary lines. And to me, that made all the difference in me being able to still honor, um, honor them and take that commandment very seriously. Um, but to also keep my heart healthy so I didn't turn against <laughs> away from them because that that would never be what I want to do. Actually, it as you were talking, it was reminding of me with my mom at this point in time. She's 98 years old in a nursing home. And prior to that, I was her primary caregiver. And it was like the roles were reversed. Yeah. And uh, uh, she even told me one day, she goes, you know what? I, I knew you were coming in. And I was thinking, Mama's coming. She goes, "No, this is Melody. It's not my mom, you know." <laughs> but it's almost like this role reverser because I'm I'm the one investing yeah. and caring and nurturing and and see, I think that's a huge part of honor because isn't it true that the stronger always supports the weaker? Isn't mm -hmm. that right? And so it it's not just physical, it could be emotional. Yeah. And so as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, you could have a parent where maybe they aren't as emotionally strong as you or spiritually as strong as you. And so how you draw those boundaries are as one that carries a greater spiritual maturity or a greater emotional maturity so that you deal with them according to their emotional health, their spiritual health, their their ability to navigate maybe the challenges and the problems of their life. Mm -hmm. So I think the honor and the respect and the care for another human being is a part of our role, not just with parent and child or spiritual parent or whatever. It's, it's, it's just how we treat humanity. And I, I'm thinking of the scripture, it says, comfort the feeble-minded. Yeah. And so how we draw those boundaries is going to be very, very unique to individual families, individual relationships, and people's emotional and spiritual health or yeah. physical health even. Yeah. And I think when it comes to that boundary work, um, for me, it's helpful to do that not in the heat of the moment mm. when I'm when I'm triggered or when I'm feeling like I just want to lash out and shut someone out of my life, um, parents or otherwise. Um, but to do that work kind of beforehand uh, when you're calm, when you are of a sound mind and just kind of um, say, okay, I've recognized that when this subject comes up, it triggers me and I just want to put up a wall and I want to lash out and, you know, say things I'll regret and dishonor my relationship. Um, and so if you can say, okay, well, that's the area that's, that is the problem area. Then I can say, okay, well, clearly I need a boundary in that area. So right now I'm going to just set that boundary that I don't go there with this relationship. And then if you need to communicate to that person. There's different ways you can do that um, honorably so that it doesn't get to that place where the button is pushed and you know everybody is just um, in their emotions. Um, and so just things like just saying like, uh, when it comes up, just say, hey, I'm working on this area of my life right now and I've recognized that it's just not gonna be productive if we talk about it. So for right now, I just have to not talk about this and I need you to respect that. Um, or, you know, saying, um, 
you, you know, with your parents to say, mom, dad, when you treat me like a child, I have a hard time coming to you and I want to be able to come to you. And so, um, I just am letting you know that when you speak to me this way, it makes me not want to come to you. And so just kind of being honest with what's happening inside of you. Some people, some parents are going to take that better than others. (laughs) Some people, it's just, it's going to be messy. I can't, can't lie to you and tell you that it's going to be a clean, easy process. Um, But I think the more one, the self-awareness when you can recognize where those areas are um, and then do, you know, create the boundaries kind of ahead of time and then work out how you're going to bring that up, how you're going to communicate it. I'd also say boundaries only work if you actually stick to them. Um, Because a (laughs) lot of times, you know, I or other people say, well, I'm going to put up a boundary and then it goes there again and again and again, and you don't actually enforce the boundary. Well, boundaries are, they're not actually there. (laughs) They're not actually going to work if you don't actually enforce them. Um, So. I I would hope that our desire is to have a close relationship with our, with our parents. But I would also say that a relationship without healthy boundaries creates more separation. Yeah. yeah. Because what happens is when you don't create the boundary, you got to stay far away to mm-hmm. stay safe. Exactly. And so it might not be um, in distance, like uh, geographical distance. And for some people, it's like, well, I don't know how to fix this, so I'm going to find a job in another state so I exactly. don't have to, have to deal with it. So actually, if you don't create healthy boundaries, you're going to actually cause more separation. Yeah. And I believe that healthy boundaries create healthy relationships. And if if a relationship doesn't allow space for boundaries, is it really healthy? Yeah. Right. And that's for me, that's what I had to do is I said, I want to honor my my mother and father in yeah. the Lord. I want to obey this commandment. Um, and I felt the separation happening. So I had to create that internal boundary and said, I'm still going to love them, still going to, they're going to be in my life. But there's this one area that I am clearly not doing well in. Mm-hmm. So I just put up a boundary inside of me that said, well, we're not going to go there because that's going to keep me able to stay connected with them yeah. until that area could heal. And now, you know, now that boundary line has changed because yeah. it's healed within me. Not even that anything has changed externally, but it's healed within me. And so that boundary could move. If I wouldn't have created that boundary, probably there would have been a wedge and it would have driven us apart, which is never what I would want. So I guess what we're saying is if you want a close, intimate relationship with your parents, creating those boundaries is what facilitates that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you don't, it actually drives a wedge. Yeah. I will also say that if someone doesn't respect your boundaries, they won't feel honored by them. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how you communicate. If they don't respect the boundaries that you place up, they're not going to feel honored by it no. anyway. So yeah. I, I don't know. Scripture tells us to honor our parents, right? That doesn't, your parents might not feel honored by yeah. your honoring. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's that's where you have to go to the Holy Spirit and make sure that your heart is right and and doing do it in a pure way. But if you do establish healthy boundaries, if they're not respected, they it doesn't matter what you do, they won't feel honored 
buy it. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. Like this could, this could be messy. It could, it yeah. could definitely not go to plan, <laughs> but yeah. um, it's definitely worth doing it, especially in the long run. And especially, you know, like if somebody came to me and they set up a boundary, I might be in my feelings for a sure. minute. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I feel like I have worked on this. I am a little self-aware. In and this. when I say that, I'm saying that for every relationship, yeah. if you don't, if someone doesn't respect your boundaries, they're, they're not going to like when you Put, put them, them up. up. Yeah, exactly. Right? But I, I will, like that said, if you can kind of push through it, yeah. that when the emotions can simmer down, when when sound thinking can come back into place, a lot of times it does end up better. <laughs> Maybe not perfect, but it, it does improve um, as, you know, that process continues. And I will say this from a, a parental perspective, Control does not necessarily mean that there is trust and intimacy. Yeah. Because I could try to control the situation and their heart is far from it, yeah. but it's, it feels close because I'm, I have my hands in it, but it could be driving a wedge. Yeah. So recognize that if you're trying to control the situation, it might not mean that the relationship is better for it. Right. It could actually be causing more separation because of the control. And a lot of times control stems from fear. So, yeah. you know, what is the actual root of having that control? Yeah. And I would say when you create healthy boundaries and those boundaries are respected, guess what? You can move that that boundary yeah. a little closer yep. to intimacy. You can, because trust is being built, right. uh, you can actually become closer because yeah. of it. Yeah. I love that you use the word trust because the fact is in every relationship, husband and wife, parent, child, you want to build trust. Mm -hmm. You know, a trust, not, not just that we'll do what we say we'll do, but we'll be who we yeah, you know, I mean, trust is a place we, of safety and who doesn't want that's that exactly in the right. It creates safety, it creates yeah. security, most definitely. And so I think so often we put we talk a lot about titles, positions, you know, all those type of things. So you, if I demand respect because that is my title as parent or pastor or whatever it might be, then I'm leaning on my title. I'm not leaning on the character or uh, building that relational and trust equity that needs to be there in any leadership position. And even as you were talking about some things that you do with your kids, uh, you are actually, you are drawing, you're helping them draw boundaries right here. I'm going to draw a boundary for you. This is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so you're helping them assume control over their own life. So guess what? If we walk in self-control, we won't need to control another person. Yeah. Because we're we're walking in self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. I think our view of how families work is kind of twisted in some ways. It's kind of like, yeah, I can treat my sister so horrible, but if you do anything, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're we're free to treat our family. Like, <laughs> it should be the opposite. Like, one thing I tell my oldest son is like, Treat your sister well yeah. because she will be on your side. She's with you forever. Yeah. Like cultivate that relationship. It's kind of like uh, in our society, it's like um, we get a pass to treat our family 
terrible. Yeah. You know, uh, that should be the safest place in a healthy, you know, in, in when it, when it's working well. Yeah. Wow. And one of the ways that you create an environment like that is to put up healthy boundaries. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I want to share one story. It's kind of switching gears, but the same thing is it, it was, Years ago, when there was a, a young man, he was on drugs, and it was just a messed up young man. He was about 16, 17 years old, and he gave his life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so beautiful. And he he started coming to church, and then his parents freaked out and said, you may not go to church. Now, they never stopped him from going out and doing drugs, but they said, you can't go to church. You can't do that, that, and got real strict, and they they drew this line, and so here it is, a parent-child. He is living at home, and he says, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. So long story short, he made a decision that he was going to love and honor his parents, but he was going to go to church <laughs> because he was going to obey God and just let the chips fall where they may. And he he just would disobey and he would come to church. Now, religion says you obey your parents and everything, but his heart was so turned towards God. He got delivered from drugs. He was transformed. It was so beautiful. And But within about a month, his sister came yeah. and she got saved. And then they saw this change in the sister. And mom and dad came And they got saved. The bottom line is the whole family came to the Lord because the young man put Jesus first. And he knew in his heart that the God who set him free from drugs has got this with his parents. And it it ended up well. But he didn't know that before he started. And my brain was going tilt, 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 like disobey your parents. Oh, you can't disobey your parents. But I let him make the choice. You know, this was his life and and it worked out really well. But that was like this huge, powerful wake-up call for me of saying, do we make this carte blanche thing that whatever mom and dad says we have to like, or what a spiritual parent says, we have to walk in blind submission. Mm-hmm. And the older we are and the more mature we get, God never designed us to walk in blind submission. Mm -hmm. And Joel, even I think about uh, Maxwell when he was little, when he was two, three years old, and uh, he would, you know, have these emotional hijacking moments. And you said, okay, Maxwell, you got a choice. So at two, three years old, you were saying, you've got a choice. And, And he would, not all the time, but he would calm down to find out what his choices were. So when you're giving someone power, and they learn how to make choices in healthy ways, we can even see a little two or three-year-old make a better decision Mm -hmm. when we, instead of controlling them, show them that they hold the power of choice. And I just don't think society has done this well, so thus this question (laughs) has come up, right? And um, so we probably have gone a lot farther on that than we planned, but uh, it's a really... I mean, how do you even unpack this all in on an, in a little episode? You well, know? I think that was a good illustration or example uh, for that question. So let's move on to the next one. I know that you have, you, Katie, you said that you had a few things to say about this one. But um, the question is, I desire generosity, but I struggle to pay my bills. 
how much should I give when I'm stretched so thin? Yeah, I think I love this question for several reasons. One, um, generosity is a high value of mine personally. Um, and so I just care about it. <laughs> um, but on the other side or another reason why I love this question is because it's a very honest question and it's a very real question for a lot of people who mm -hmm. um, do want to give, whether it's want to give, you know, to your church or you want to give, you see all, you know, everybody's always asking for help or support um, and they're great causes and you want to be able to give, but practically speaking, it's just not always feasible. Um, and so I look at this question with a lot of compassion because mm -hmm. um, that I recognize that that is a real reality for a lot of people and, and definitely, you know, myself at times as well. Um, and so I always look and say that um, we all have, I believe we all have something good to give all the time. That doesn't have to be money. That can be yep. a lot of different things. That can be your time. That can be your energy. It can be um, just your attention. It can be, you know, creating awareness, um, you know, prayer. It can be your skills, donating your skills, um, you know, donating something that you have. Um, it doesn't always have to be cash. Um, and so that ha just having that mindset of I always have something to give because I think if you go into it um, and you might have nothing in your bank account, but if you can still approach it with the thought of I have something good to give, I just have to recognize what it is. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, you ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what do I give? Um, just recognizing, having that determination in your heart that you do have something to give kind of keeps you out of that um, poverty of 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 lack, just even in your thinking, even though it might look true in the natural that you don't have something or you don't have uh, money or get goods or even time you don't have, instead of going at it as I don't have going at it as I do have, I just have to figure out what that is. Um, so to me, that can be really important, um, just to have that mindset. Another thing is, um, don't compare yourself to other people. I think that's really huge in this yeah. because it can really just lead to, um, you know, um, comparison and condemnation of, well, I don't have, you know, I'm not good enough, all of those questions. Um, so I just say, don't compare yourself with another. I always love the scripture uh, where it talks about the widow uh, who gave her two mites mm -hmm. and how um, the the Bible says that here's all these, these big leaders, these wealthy men were piling on these bags of gold. And she had, to, all she had was two mites, these two coins that she could give and that that parable he's praising her he's saying she gave more than all of the riches of all these wealthy people um and so being obedient to the lord <laughs> uh, don't compare with what somebody else is doing just just be obedient and give i know for a, a long season of my life i just made a decision i was going to give in every offering and if you're in the world that we're in um conferences, seminar, like there's a lot of offerings. There's a lot of plates being passed. And so when I made that decision, I didn't just, I didn't say, well, I'm going to give a hundred dollars every time. I said, I am going to give every time an offering comes. So sometimes it was a hundred dollars and sometimes it was a quarter, <laughs> but my decision was I'm going to give. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't compare yourself with others. Um, and always obey the Lord. There have been times, there have been times, not every time where the Lord has asked me to give more than I had to give. 
and I was obedient and obedience to the Lord will always benefit you in great ways. Um, but that was when the Lord <laughs> spoke to my heart and I knew it wasn't a person that told me to give more than I had. Um, it wasn't all the time. Um, I wasn't living foolishly, but when you obey the leading of the Lord, no matter what it looks like, then that is a step of faith that, um, that I believe he's going to meet with his own generosity and his own abundance and making sure your needs are met. Yeah, that's really good. Phenomenal. <laughs> Do you guys have patience? Well, you, you covered all my stuff. <laughs> I mean, it was all good. I have more, but I told you this is a passion topic. Yeah. So. It's because it, generosity is a spiritual principle and it produces great dividends. And so you gave a basic principles how someone can always give. Yeah which means they can always partner with a supernatural principle, which will open up the floodgates of heaven in whatever way we need. Because when I give unto the Lord of my heart, my time, my money, whatever it is, mm -hmm. then what I'm doing, I'm partnering with heaven and it allow it, it allows that supernatural element to come into my life that I can have an abundance that I never dreamed yeah. I could have because it's gone past my ability to meet a need to his ability to meet that need. Yeah. And so that, just those basic things, you know, I've had many times in my life when there was very, very little, but the Lord spoke. And every time I obeyed him, there was great breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and it was usually at a time where I was really crying out for something that he's he would tell me what he wanted me to give. And it wasn't always money, but he told me what he wanted me to give. And whenever I did that, it always produced. Yeah. And sometimes so supernaturally fast that my head was spinning. I'm mm -hmm. going, God, that that is that was just miraculous yeah. right there. And yeah, so, I'm a big so believer. So many experiences. Yeah, I'm a big believer that generosity is the economy of the kingdom. Yes. It's actually part of his nature. Um, and and he says that when you um, give sparingly, you reap sparingly. When you give generously, you reap generously. And so it, there, there's so much biblical principle, um, not, not acting out of foolishness or not stewarding your natural resources well, because those are also biblical principles. Yeah, yeah. But that having that heart of generosity um, that I will give because I already know that he's going to take care of me. Um, it's it's so powerful and it's so freeing uh, in that we can just live open-handed because our God lives open-handed because he is our ultimate source. So go ahead before I get preaching again. <laughs> This may come as a shock to you, but I'm going to answer this from a very logical perspective. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's funny. I was watching uh, uh, some Star Trek movies, and the the main characters are like Captain Kirk and Spock. And Captain Kirk is very much fly by the seat of his pants. Everything is uh, like a gut feeling. He'll do crazy things. And Spock is very much, there's no feeling behind anything. <laughs> You know his race or what? So uh, Spock. Is that what yeah, you're I, I was like, "Am I Spock in this situation?" <laughs> and you're uh, Captain Kirk. Um, but yeah, I, I just look at things very lo logically, I guess. So I guess, and I will say this: I don't know your exact situation, but um, the question I want to ask is, what do you know to be true? Is generosity a true principle? Mm -hmm. 
Is it a characteristic of someone who is in the kingdom of God? Is that true? Is sowing and reaping a kingdom principle? Do you believe that tithing is for today? And some people have different mm -hmm. opinions about that. I know for me, I've always done it, and I have never lacked any yeah. good thing. Yeah. Um, so my point in saying all that is a micro situation should not affect a macro truth. Mm -hmm. So whatever situation that you're in, what, what holds true no matter what? Mm -hmm. And I believe generosity is a characteristic of someone who is in the kingdom. I believe in sowing and reaping. Mm -hmm. I believe, in, believe that you should give to your local church and be generous in that because I believe it to be true. And so no matter what you're going through, the ultimate truth should always rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I live my life by. And and I haven't lacked. The other practical or logical solution for this is, do you understand the basic principles of financial stewardship? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people, like I was very fortunate to live in a household that modeled financial stewardship well. So I, I was able to see that modeled. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I was able to function in those things as a natural thing because it was modeled. But some people didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Some people's parents, the moment they got their money, they wasted it on whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't see that modeled. So that financial stewardship came a little bit easier for me because I saw it modeled. But some of you maybe haven't seen that modeled. So there are resources out there that you can learn about financial stewardship, mm -hmm. learn about how to uh, manage your money, save money, put money back, you know, mm -hmm. um, live generously. So the two things is what is true and the uh, macro truth all, always over, uh, it always supersedes a micro situation. And the other thing is I encourage you to get some financial literacy if you don't have it. Mm -hmm to grow in those things. Uh, there are plenty of free podcasts that are mm -hmm. out there. Um, YouTube Academy. You, YouTube, Dave Ramsey, whatever it is, you know, um, because some of the situations that you're facing might be because of just some practical things that uh, you don't do well. And if you can get some of those things in order, it's going to give you the freedom to have financial freedom. And yeah. so those are the two practical things. And now, Captain Kirk, go ahead. And, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I think that's so true. Those that you know, taking care stewardship is just as much as a spiritual. And I believe principle. in what you're saying too. I'm yeah. just saying that's yeah. how I. Yeah, see I, I want to add on. Um, if you are in a season where you you know, yeah, maybe you're not handling your money perfectly, but also you are doing everything that you can do to feed your children, um, yeah. to put clothes on them. Yeah. Um, I definitely understand that spot of um, saying, yeah, maybe I could do better with my money, but also I'm working three jobs. I'm a single parent. I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, and so I also know like even for you guys, um, you've said before, Joel, how you guys for seasons of your childhood, you were poor, but you didn't know you were poor. Yeah. And it's not because... We weren't poor. <laughs> you were living off of what? <laughs> Butter well, you, noodles? You said, you said we were below the poverty level, according I to the government. I know You were poor. You were economically <laughs> poor. 
But you didn't know you were poor, not because you guys were extravagant in your spending and wasteful, but because you were always generous because you always decided that you would give your gallon of milk. I forget the the whole story, mm-hmm. but you would give what you had. You didn't live poor in that you, you were, you didn't hoard. Our vacations were camping in the backyard. Oh yeah. Ah. I used to think like for my family, I used to think we vacationed like so much and we did a lot. But then as I became an adult, I realized our vacations (laughs) were camping an hour from home in the woods with like no plumbing, no anything like that was. Yeah. So you make it work. (laughs) But, um, but that to say, just there was no Instagram to compare to back then. No. Well, and now some of those things would be like, cool. That's like hipster to live off the grid and all (laughs) of that. It was not, this was not a matter of cool back then. It's just surviving. For most people, they they hold that living off the the grid as a high standard. And two (laughs) minutes into it, they're like, I don't know if I value this as much as (laughs) I. Some people. Yeah, some people. choose that life. Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, we weren't, we didn't have, we didn't have a mindset that we were poor, even though we didn't have money and we were pioneering the church. <laughs> but we made a commitment that every day we would give someone something. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You kept it in your heart that even though you practically did not have money to give, you made a decision that you were going to live generously. It might have been inviting a neighbor in for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, we'd go to our kids and say, okay. And they didn't really have that much. What do you want to give? Yeah. And then they they would pull out something they were going to give, and we gave it to a neighbor kid or whatever. And, oh, yeah, there was times we'd give to people who had twice as much, and I'd come home and say, God, what are we doing? You know. <laughs> but, but I am so glad we practiced that yeah. spiritual principle because— when you give, it's not just that you're giving so ultimately God meets your need, and that's true that He does, but it keeps you out of the mindset that I'm lacking, exactly. that I'm needy, that you know I'm, you know I don't have the ability to be a success. So you're always making an investment, and the fact is, when you make an investment, eventually there will be a return. Yeah. Now we did have some poverty mindsets. And Joel, he's the one that once he got older, corrected his mom in the middle of her training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was telling about all the miracles. About I didn't how correct. God... I just asked a question. Yeah, you asked a question. That's right. Her. I was telling about all these miracles of how God supernaturally supplied our need. And, uh, and then Joel raises his hand. He goes, Mom, did you ever believe for abundance? And I go, let me slap you. (laughs) And I realized at that moment, I always believed for our needs to be met. We were never late on a bill. Our needs were always met, but we never believed for abundance. And so I see our beliefs will either empower us or limit us. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like I wasn't believing for abundance. I just never thought to believe for abundance. Uh, I was just so thankful how God always met our needs. And I I look back and I go, that faulty belief hindered, you know, or lengthened the time that we were under poverty level mm-hmm. because uh, I didn't know what to do with abundance. And there were shame issues in my life and different things that I can understand why I felt uncomfortable with abundance. Mm -hmm. But our mindsets, I mean, really, 
this is so powerful what we're sharing right now because if we would recognize that some of the things that are being spoken are hitting some ways that we are thinking, saying, I disagree with that, mm-hmm. you know, or no, well, there's no way I'm going to give with this or, or if yeah. God tells me he knows I don't have the money, so I don't need to do this or so whatever the be belief God. is, pardon? <laughs> so it must not be God. <laughs> so it must not be God. You know, if we feel that chinge rising inside of us where we're resisting some of the things that are being spoken, all it's doing is revealing maybe a uh, a faulty mindset that we have that's hindering our ability Mm -hmm. to be as not just financially prosperous, but spiritually as prosperous as, as God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other practical thought I had here, I know we're getting long, um, is that even, you know, even though I have this high generosity, um, value, you know, when I go to the grocery store and they're like, do you want to round up your dollar to save the, you know, whatever, I don't say yes. (laughs) Like I, you know, you also do have to choose. Like you, you can't give to every cause. I listen, this might get me canceled, but like the ASPCA or like, you know, PETA, like I'm, I'm not going to be giving my last pennies to save the turtles. (laughs) You know, animals are great. God made them. We're supposed to care about them. But like, if, if I have a choice, um, I'm going to put what I have into areas where uh, where I have value for them or um, where I, where I want to see fruit in that area. Um, and so if it comes down to it and you decide, well, I can give this much, but I can't give to everyone, then you just kind of have to ask and say, um, what's an area where I want to see a harvest, where I want to see a difference made? Where do I want to actually invest? Um, and decide where you're going to give that way if, if it's finances. Um, and even if it's time, you know, I'm a big person for volunteering. Volunteer your time. Volunteer an hour. Um, the other day, there was this little business that started in our community and um, I didn't have, you know, it, and they're not asking for money. It's a business. Um but what I have is a little bit of social media influence. <laughs> so I went and I took a bunch of pictures and I posted and I tagged them and it got like a hundred shares. So what did I have to give? I had a little bit of influence. So whatever you have to give, that's um, awesome. just be creative with it. You always have something. It, it, you have more than you think you have. Awesome. All right, Spock, you got any closing thoughts? <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nerds will get it. <laughs> what are you what are you suggesting? I'm saying I was kind of surprised when you were like, I've been watching Star Trek movies, but <laughs> <laughs> summer Netflix can get a little uh strange in the summer, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the three questions that we have today. Um, as a reminder, you can send in your questions um, by emailing us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com or sending us a message on the Giving Light Facebook or Instagram. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.